0: Hey folks, welcome to a interview-only episode of the FLW Podcast. As you might have guessed, between Kyle running around and me running around, we're a little tight on time this week. So you're getting just me and Buddy Gross talking about Toho and some other things. Uh, next week I can't promise a podcast I feel pretty good about a full episode the week after anyhow thanks for listening you can find more FLW stuff on all the relevant social media networks that you can imagine day 5 should be up uh, I won't say soon but by the end of this week or early next week with a lot more Buddy Gross and uh I guess that'll about do it. As always, thanks so much for listening, and here is Buddy Gross. All right, and now we are joined by Buddy Gross, two-time FLW Tour champion uh, after the FLW Tour event on Lake Toho. Buddy, thanks for coming on, and, man, congratulations on the win.
1: Yes, sir, thank you very much. It was a good tournament, and I like the way that
0: sounds, that two-time deal. That sounds pretty good. Two-time is a pretty rare club, man. I mean there's there's been plenty of people who have like won a tour event and then you never really hear anything from them again uh but there's probably not too many people who've won two of them and you don't hear anything from them again so i'd say uh i'd say you're doing pretty good i like it too
1: well i hope so i mean this is really what i'd like to do for a while i don't really want to have to invite you know leave the system no time soon it's uh it's a it's a blessing from the lord that you know to do what i do And and it's a gift that i appreciate and uh my family loves it. I love it. I'm blessed to have them on board, and we're gonna make a go with this thing.
0: I like it. i wanna so you won on Pickwick back in uh twenty sixteen and that was you know your rookie year on tour, and a lot of us were going, "Oh, wait, who's this buddy gross character?" And It's like, "Well, no, he did good at Beaver before um is what I remember and can you just kind of take folks through? how you ended up on you know how you went from kind of being a local fisherman who'd literally never been on a pickwick before to now you're a two-time tour champ because you've had like a pretty meteoric rise over the, i would say the last five years or so it seems like
1: yeah i just um i have always i say always I, my dad took me fishing as a kid and and he got me involved in tournaments at a young age and then you know when you get old enough to start driving, you kind of lose interest. I did. I, I started, you know, I was in sports, and I started running around and lost interest for just a little bit. And I got back to working in the truck business and had a guy at work. It was fishing tournaments down on the lake here locally. And I went with him one day, and I got the bug again. And when I got the bug that time, it was serious. I mean, we've got to tournament fishing with my childhood best friend, lived across the street. He was two years older than me, so I made him drive me to every pond there was till uh, he got to chasing girls. And he he kind of left me for a little while, but when we got back together, we just won everything around the house. I mean, we won on gunners. We won on a lake in between gunners on Chickamauga called Niggajack, and We won on Chickamauga. And it, I just, you know, we won so much. You know, we were very fortunate we won so much. It got hard to fish a lot of stuff, and I wanted to keep going. And the next step was to try to make it another level and the first year i fished the coast is i qualified for the tour and i told my wife i said i'd like to try it and she said well, try it and i did and you've seen the results and it's just, <laughs> it's just been a snowball effect
0: that's uh that's really pretty awesome um when you were younger and like fishing a bunch like back in the early days were you always really good at fishing or did you kind of get really good at fishing the more you got into it
1: you know, it, it came pretty quick. Um, I can't explain it. My dad was like, hey, all he want to throw was a Carolina rig and all I wanted to throw was something moving really fast in the grass. So it's kind of funny. I mean, we want a lot of stuff back at home when, you know, 18 pounds is a big bag. We'd sneak in four or five times a year with high 20s and some 30s on lakes that we shouldn't be doing. And what we were doing back then was throwing big rattle traps and six foot of water and the grass would be four foot tall and you'd have to work i mean we would tear rods up i actually can remember having some rods back in the day that we were throwing them on some soft touch series rods and thought we're supposed to throw soft rods for crankbaits and i'd jerk them so much that splinter you'd run your hand up the rod and it would just be splinter they'd put splinters in your hands i mean we worked that hard and i remember my dad was my fishing partner he told me one day he said son this ain't no fun this is work <laughs> i come out here to have a good time and i'm not doing this no more he just quit on me gosh and that's
0: uh, wild. i remember, i remember the
1: day he bought a boat i kept the boat we had together he let me have it he went and bought his own boat and i started fishing with my buddy and after that day we started winning a lot because we took it very serious put our time in and i just always had that competitive nature i mean i'm not a bad loser but i'm not i'm not a sore loser but i'm not a really great loser i guess it's a better way to put it i want to win you'd rather not and, lose and win a choice <laughs> yeah and our and winning to me is making sure you get uh, get paid i mean it's not just about first place i mean winning is figuring to fish out because you got such good anglers out here on tour it's not everybody's like i was everybody's fishing on tour one somewhere i mean they've all been good and they're all fishing with the same competitive energy that i am and it when you get us all together you can't always win i mean it's gonna it's gonna have your ups and downs and the best thing you can do is what I'm figuring out now, and it's taken me a while. Is make sure you got a limit every day, so you can stay in contention, and that's what I'm trying to do.
0: I like it. Um, c- can you talk a little bit? I want to dive into Toho now, basically, and how you caught him there. In practice, did you sort of sample all of the lakes, or did you commit to Toho? Because obviously, in the tournament, you never locked out when so many other people did.
1: I uh, I committed to Toho. You know, when I told you I went down a couple of days before the off-limits ended. And I committed to Toho for a full day. And I looked at Kissimmee for about a half a day. And then during practice, I stayed on Toho for two days. And then on the third day, I decided I was going to go look at Kissimmee. And I got through the locks, made it to Hatch and all. I did a U-turn and went straight back. I said, there's no way. Because my practice was so good at Toho, I didn't want to get spread out and lose the time it took to get, you know, if you go to Cassim, you're going to lose an hour a day, minimum. Yeah. You know, I just didn't want to give up that time when I was catching the quality that I was on Toho.
0: Okay. I mean, that but, certainly makes and sense.
1: I think, I, did, I think it just comes with the experience of the Tennessee River because we used to lock through off of Chickamauga. It wasn't always great. We'd lock through off of Chickamauga to go to Negajack and, you know, we'd, we'd lose two and a half, three hours. And I just decided it was better for me to spend the time on Toho because the quality was there, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, how did you when when you were in Toho, I know you had a couple of fish on beds, um and that you didn't get to catch. Uh did you pretty much like can you kind of describe just how your tournament went from were you in that offshore grass, was that really all that you did or did you end up catching some fish uh in the shallower stuff?
1: My plan was I wound up finding those fish Kind of like Britt was fishing. He was over in the thicker grass, you know, that was just under the surface.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All of my practice was found quality fish and groups of fish and that kind of deal. So that was my plan: was to fish all the hydrilla, not as much the edges or the clumps, but the thick stuff where it, you'd find some places it was thinner and it was it was congregating them. That was the plan until the last day. We had sunshine and practice, and I decided to go looking for bedding fish, and I found a bunch of them. And then I stumbled across a couple of really big fish, you know, double-digit fish. So, the whole off day and the whole morning, I was torn between what to do, and I decided to go shallow first thing. And I did, and made a, one catch, the first cast I made in the morning, I hooked the 10-plus pounder for about two seconds. That was my plan, was to go catch her and then go offshore. That kind of got me side I spent an hour in there trying to figure out how to catch her, and I never did get her caught. So. I went to what I thought was going to be the best place on the lake, and it didn't happen. So I went to the second best place on the lake, I thought, and it didn't happen. And I just kind of stepped back, and the wind had changed directions. It had picked up a little bit. sun was shining, so I said, they got to be on the outside edge. And I went to the outside edge. First cast I made, I caught one. Second cast I made, and I caught one all the way up for four fish. I caught them four casts in a row. And I just decided to make that home, and that was the spot where I stayed the rest of the tournament.
0: That is that was a pretty amazing spot too. Like, have you did? Obviously, I guess you didn't think it was the best place on the, the lake when you went there. But did you have an idea that you know you'd be able to fish one of these tournaments or fish toho like off of you know literally one spot, or did you think that it was going to take a combination?
1: I thought it was going to take that entire line. I mean, there was about. When we first got there, whenever everybody got started, there was about five of us out there, and all five of the guys, well, I mean, about three of the five guys were catching them. And I thought it was going to take the whole line. I mean, it was a, line, a long line. It was a two-mile line of grass down through there that had characteristics all the way through it that I thought it was going to take every one of those places to make it work out. And it just so happens that the one that I stopped on the first day wound up being the one that had the fish coming to it the most i i think there were new fish every day coming to that place is what i think i think it was just a place that they were recuperating when they come off the bed and i think it's a place they were sitting up before they went to go in i mean it that's my opinion and the water temperature dropped three degrees i think the fish that were in there on those grass places i was fishing early in practice pulled right out to that place
0: hmm. um i know you caught some on a swim bait um can you kind of give the rundown on just what you used to catch them
1: yeah, I caught them on a 5-inch Scottsboro Tackle uh, swim bait with a 8 out flashy swimmer on her hook, and uh, a swim jig with a 4-inch Scottsboro Tackle swim bait on it, but the bait that really found all my fish, I mean, this all started with a black and blue swim bait with a green pumpkin trailer, and it was a, a Zoom Z Crawl. I mean, that bait is all out there in practice. Because they would hit. If they didn't eat it, they hit it and he helped locate them. I didn't want the fish to see a swim bait during practice because sometimes they see it and they quit doing the deal with it. So I've been burning on a swim bait. As you know, I throw it a lot. And uh, I just said, this time I'm only going to throw it in the tournament. And I did that.
0: Hmm.
1: I did pick it up one time in practice and caught a giant. And I was like, I'm not doing it again. I just put it back there.
0: <laughs> I think that's. So it was one of those. The, st- the strategy in that is really cool. I, I like that. Like, I, I, not a lot of people would think to throw, you know, not their best stuff uh, in practice. You know what I mean? Like, you'd think right. just bending the hooks over would be fine or shaking them off, but that makes a lot of sense.
1: I I just felt like it was the right thing to do, and it, and it, and it worked. And, and, and I you know, I'll probably continue to do that. But every now and then you just need just a little bit of confidence in something to do it, and that, that's me. If I see a little bit of light, it don't take me a whole lot to be able to Commit to it. Now, I'm gonna tell you that commitment can also go the other direction at times, and it has for me. So, I think it's a learning process for me to be able to stop and learn when to stop and move on up. It, it happened at Rayburn. A good example. I was getting beat on a swim bait at Rayburn. Incredible in practice. At 12:30, the first day of the tournament, I didn't have a fish, and uh, I put it down and went to flipping, and it caught me a nine or ten pound limit. Next, day I had a 15 pound limit, but you, you got to know when to quit and, and it's been hard to figure that out, but I did it, you know,
0: that's awesome. Um, that swim bait. How do you, uh, I, I guess what rod, what line are you throwing it on? Do you throw it on braid and fluoro or do you always throw it on, you know, one or the other? Cause that, uh, that Scottsboro, like it's a pretty big bait. Like it's a, it's a larger, you know, it's a five inch bait, but it's, it's more bait than your average five inch hollow belly is. Um, so like That's right. it, I'm kind of curious it what it's like to just throw and be dialed in with that. If I
1: can get away with braid on it, especially around heavy cover, I want it on braid. Now, I did throw it on a leader some in practice at Rayburn. I didn't like the way that felt. So it's either commit to fluorocarbon or commit to braid. But But the braid is always going to be a better hookup if you can get away with it. Okay, and I then, think I think fluorocarbon is going to be best in cleaner water, though for sure.
0: All righty, all righty. And then when you you know when you're crank or when you're fishing that bait, you've got to let him eat it, right? You can't just swing on him as soon as you feel it, correct? No,
1: I mean you can, hmm. and and you'll get some hookups like that, but you're going to miss more than you catch. You gotta you gotta almost take the half a second pause. I mean, it, it, it's a learned feel that you just have to get used to. But but yes, there is a little bit of a pause, and if you do that, they're they're just going to have it in a better place where they don't get off. That's the whole deal.
0: Yeah, I think I, I hear you, um, for sure. My other my other question I want to ask you is, like, you've gotten, and I know growing up on Chickamauga and Gunnersville, like those are places that have, I know they haven't always had tons of grass in them at every point in time, but they're places that have a lot of grass. But man, you are really good when it comes to catching fishing grass, especially off the bank. It seems like is that something that is there is there something you particularly like about that or that just makes sense to you more than some other kinds of fishing do you think?
1: I just understand it, and it's harder for everybody else to understand, so it gives me a little bit of an advantage and I'd rather have all the advantage I could get fishing against these guys so I just uh, it takes a lot of dissecting, it takes a lot of practice, but it also takes a lot of mistakes. I mean, you 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 have to go through. I mean, I think I made 300 waypoints down there, and I wound up using 15. So that's how much you have to look at to find the place that it's going to take to catch them.
0: It ta- it almost take you know you're talking about commitment on baits. It almost takes commitment to do that because. Every, I, I feel like everybody knows that somewhere in the grass you're going to find fish, because bass love grass, but the uh, it just can maybe take a little bit more time to actually find where they are in that, you know? Does that make sense? It, it, does, it does make a lot of sense. And the good thing about the grass, though, is even if you didn't find them in practice
1: and you feel like they're in it, because it's like you said, bass like grass, but the bait fish get a chance to, they can hide. The bait fish is going to be in the grass. So you got brim, you got shad, you got everything that swims is gonna be around the grass. So if you don't really dial it in in practice, like I didn't have it just dialed into a T, you can work through it during the first day of the tournament and figure it out and then continue on and carry that on. And that's kind of what we did. It, I just wound up having a spot this time that kept reloading. That don't happen all the time. But if I still think I could have been okay if I had not had a spot and just kept moving you'd found another group of fish. I mean, some of the other competitors were doing the same thing I was inside of me, and they had wads of fish, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: So, I mean, how many did we draw all of us in between the three of us that I could see? There's probably two more schools between each one of us, you know?
0: Yeah, just somewhere around there, and, you know, nobody ever hit them. Um,
1: right, that's what I'm saying. There's, There were more schools than what we found, I mean, no doubt. I still say that these fish, even though we had great tournaments, there was something better going on that none of us figured out, I think, on every lake we go to.
0: Well, I don't, I mean, Terry Bolton had them pretty figured out at Rayburn. Uh, but I, uh, <laughs> I I, I know what you mean, uh, for sure. Um, You know, at Toho, you never really caught a giant. And, like, you never really had a, uh, you never had a huge day. It was like one of the weirdest Florida tournaments I've ever seen, because usually when a guy wins in Florida, you know, they have like a 25, 28 pound day, something like that. Did you think like day four, you know, did you think you had it Uh, or because you ended up winning by a pretty good margin? Or did you think that, man, you know, I just never caught an eight pounder and that's going to cost me?
1: That's exactly what I thought all day long, but I kept I knew at any cast I made it could happen. I mean, I expected it to happen once or twice every day that's that's what was weird about the whole deal and right now, I can't tell you why it didn't happen and it it but I'm telling you every cast I thought it was gonna be her. It nice. just never happened, and I don't know why but i I caught a big one every day of practice. I caught a seven eight or nine in every day of practice and sometimes two or three.
0: And just never in the tournament, they just all disappeared. That's amazing.
1: Not really. I, I, I never caught them out of that spot. i I fished every place I caught a big fish in practice and never caught a big fish in, in the tournament. I <laughs> fished them all. I mean, you know, when we'd leave at the end of the day, on our way back, I'd stop at two or three places, and those places were quality, good, really good places. I think everything that I was fishing up through there, though, needed to be fished before 10 o'clock, and I was not willing to leave the place that was producing my best fish to go find those fish during the tournament
0: yeah well you know that makes I mean that's smart it it worked out obviously
1: I probably if I would have thought I wouldn't have had nobody get that spot I could have stopped somewhere every morning besides going there first and got a quality fish every day I really believe that but I chose to go to what I felt like was a more consistent deal and take what I could get off of it
0: well, you definitely had a lot of strategy going into this tournament between, you know, not throwing the swim bait in practice, how you sort of managed your spots and managed your fish. Like, it was just, uh, it was it was really cool. It was really impressive. Like, the whole, I mean, you pretty much, you caught it from start to finish. It was a very complete win. It was a very Buddy Gross win. Like, you know, you, you know, at Pickwick, when you won, it was kind of, you faltered pretty hard on that final you know yeah. in at the end there and it wasn't it wasn't necessarily all your fault or anything but like it was not just all the way full steam ahead and this one you just kept catching them and catching them and you know you started that final morning i think you had 20 pounds in the boat in like the first half hour or something like that so it was uh it was really impressive really cool to see man
1: it was awesome to experience it is the you know the the last day they were still running to the locks and i already had two four-pounders in the boat and you can't believe the sigh of relief that come over me and i told my cameraman i said we're not going to zero today <laughs> i mean that was the greatest <laughs> feeling ever yeah because i guess you seen my not... struggle at pickwick on the fourth day i mean it the, the struggle at pickwick on the fourth day was real
0: yeah um, that's for sure i
1: did not want to do that again
0: yeah, I, I remember that one, and I was like, "Oh man, this is gonna, this is this is much more stressful than it needs to be."
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I lost the spot at Pickwick. Though. I didn't. I, there was a guy that was fishing it uh, on the fourth day, and and I really needed. I'd saved that place for Saturday and Sunday. I don't know if you remember this or not, but uh, yep. On Saturday, I hit it for like five casts, and when I pulled off of it, there was a local pulled on it, and he was there the rest of that day. And when I got there the next morning, I mean, that was the problem at Pickwick.
0: Yeah, but no, he, I did uh, have two he places, had two places, and they were
1: both loaded.
0: He had the Buddy Gross locations dialed in, apparently. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, you know, it was, I consider that the spot was probably a good local spot. I don't think oh, it's yeah. something I mean, that I found out. I mean, but. Boy, I sure wanted it. I just didn't wanna. I didn't wanna go over and ask him to move, you know. I just kept digging, but but here at Toho, I had other things. And if I hadn't caught him pretty good like I did in the morning, I hadn't ever intentions of doing a lot more looking and running on the last day. I filled up. I, I mean, I was full of gas. I was ready to do some looking that day. So, but it worked out. Lord blessed us, and it it
0: came through. I like it a lot, man. Um, I want to ask you now about the rest of the season a little bit. Our next stop is Lake Seminole. Uh, you've won a Coast FLW Series event there. Uh, it seems to set up really, really well for you. Uh, what are the odds that we get a back-to-back?
1: Oh, I don't know. I'm not even. Looking. I'm, I, I'll tell you what I'm after. I'm after a top thirty. I would love to fish the cup this year, as you know. I've not made the cup appearance yet. Um, but that lake in May. We get along very well so far. So far. I like the way it sets up. I like catfishes. The good thing about Seminole is, is you can find some stuff that's a little harder to get to that everybody else may not want to go to because there's so much timber and there's a lot of backwaters that's hard to get to, stumps. I mean, so if you figure out how to maneuver Seminole, you can get away from the crowd, and that's what I like. I do not like fishing. Elbow to elbow. I, if I can get away from everybody, I'd rather be away. So, and that's what I'm looking forward to the most: is being able to find something that's what you call mine and and make it mine again. That's what I'm after.
0: Oh man, I like the sound of that. Uh, right now, you're sitting 19th in Aoy, which obviously two derbies in. That's a really good place to be. Um, do you feel like do you feel like between Rayburn and this one and then Seminole coming up. Like, how do you feel about your chances to make the cup? Because in the past it's eluded you, but it sounds like you're kind of in a headspace now where that could be a lot more. Could be, it could be something that's a lot more within reach.
1: I think it's a doable deal. I tell you, and, and this is gonna sound funny, but the tournament I feared the most this year was Toho, and I don't know why. I just know that that place can be feast or famine for people. And I wound up on the good end of that. Now my next one I'm worried about is is Grand, because I've never seen it. Um, Don't really know what to expect. Um, So Grand and Cherokee, even though Cherokee's in Tennessee, I've never seen it either. So those are are out of my wheelhouse. If I can get through those two tournaments with the rest of the schedule, I think my chances are good to make a cut. But I just want to go one at a time and see how it works out.
0: All right. Well, uh, man. I like your chances for sure, uh, and it's been a pleasure talking with you. Uh, where should folks uh, follow you, find you on the Internet for uh, more Buddy Gross in their life?
1: Buddy Gross Fishing uh, is, on, is the Facebook and the uh, Instagram. Check us out. We'd love to have you following us. We're going to start doing more things with it, so just get in touch or just just follow us on those.
0: All right, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it, and uh, I'll see you... I'll see a Seminole, in really not all that long, if you, if we're being honest. Not long at all. <laughs> yeah, not long at all. All right, man. Thanks for coming on.